Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to this episode of Humans of Speedway. I'm Ian Brannan and my guest in this episode is a modern day proper British Speedway legend. He's the captain of the Ipswich Witches. He's been part of that side going all the way back to 2003. Also currently representing the Red Car Bears, but back-to-back league titles with the Pool Pirates where he was the captain. He's represented Sheffield and Leicester. 13 team honours throughout the course of his career and a couple of individual titles as well, not least being British champion in 2016. It's not everybody that can say that they've beaten Bartosz Schmarschlik, passing him from the back in a Grand Prix, but Danny King can. King and Schmarschlik having a fabulous race out in front. Hand comes out the back, but Danny King, can he hang on? Schmarschlik coming on hard in second place. So we'll find out what it's like to live your dreams at the Principality Stadium and much more besides learning all about his career. And before the end, we'll discover what Danny's dream Speedway meeting would look like as well. But first of all, it gives me great pleasure to welcome to Humans of Speedway, the current, at the time of recording this, captain of the Ipswich Witches and representing the Red Car Bears in 2023 as well. It's Danny King. Welcome, Danny. Hey, Ian. Thanks for having me, mate. Always a pleasure to, to speak with you, Danny, and looking forward to, to chatting about your career and, and much more besides as well, because there's been all sorts that we can talk about. But we're going to start at the at the present time, really, start of 2023. Um, you've come out of two years with the Pool Pirates, back-to-back league and cup um, titles, you know, so the double, two years on the bounce, take some doing. Pool, we know, are always a, a successful side, but tell us about the, the move and... And what's all come about there? Because sometimes success doesn't help you out in Speedway, does it? That it makes some tricky choices for promoters to, to have to decide who who they can fit in. Um, this time, you're the one that's had to make way. You've headed to Redcar. Redcar have got a fantastic team, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But just talk about Pool first up and um, you know, and that, that tough decision to, to find pastures new. Yeah, for sure. Um, I really enjoyed my time at Pool. You know, I'm, I'm not going to lie about that. Um, 
it was disappointing when I, when I found out I wasn't in the plans for this year. Um, but I've been around long enough, you know, that's, that's the business of Speedway. And um, the rules obviously changed this year. And it meant that, that they had to uh, build a different team, a different style team, should I say, as they have done the last few years. So, um, yeah, you know, it's, it was disappointing at the time. But um, these things happen and, and you, you move on. And I feel very, uh, very lucky the way it's all turned out. And um, obviously very excited on my new adventure this year at Redcar. Yeah, and, and I think this is a brilliant signing by Redcar. Absolutely brilliant signing, um, and one that Poole may look back on um, later in the season because I know uh, what you bring to the team off the track. We know what you bring on it, you know, but I, I know what you bring off the track. And Redcar is is a team of good riders, but a team of captains, and that could be the difference. And I think certainly for Poole fans, it's it's maybe going to be difficult seeing you in a in a red um, set of Kevlar's and the blue ones. <laughs> yeah, as I say, it's it's been a funny one, you know. Uh, uh, to be able to ride for the Paul Pirates is a huge thing in anyone's career, you know. Such a a big club, and um, and I had great success. I captained them to to two doubles, so um, you know that's something that's going to live on with me forever. And um, I enjoyed every minute of it. Um, but as you say, it's a uh, it's a different look now. We're uh, we're in red, and uh, it's a new challenge for me. And um, I still have the desire to win, and uh, my my intentions are still the same. I want success, and and that's my plan this year. And when you look at the lineup that Redcar have got this year, it's it's very much in that that pool kind of um, formula, really, with three strong heat leaders: yourself, Charles Wright, and Eric Riss. Charles Wright has had his shoulder fixed, and we've seen already that he seems to be a, a stronger competitor this year than back up from the likes of Jason Edwards and Daniel Hume and reserves Connor Bailey and Jake Mulford. So a good mix of, of top class experience, but also some you know some of the best upcoming talent as well, and you can see why some of the fans and some of the maybe those involved with Redcar feel that you know we've got half a chance this year. Yeah, well, so they say. Um, you know that they're really happy with the team, and, and I must admit I am as well. Um, you know, somehow with the lower points limit, they've managed to keep the the very strong top end with with three three heat leaders as such, and. Um, I think we're very we're very good throughout the rest of the team. We've got good strength and depth and good mixture of youth and experience. And um, you know, nothing's ever won on paper or before the season starts. But um, you know, the team that is there is definitely capable. So um, long season ahead, as we all know, injuries stay injury free and um, take each meeting at a time. And hopefully, we'll be there or thereabouts at the end. And you all got together very recently, didn't you? You went out for a, a pre-season night out a few weeks back. Um, what was nightlife like in Middlesbrough then? Uh, and, and, and were there Palmos involved? I'm staying well clear of Palmos. I've tried one once. and uh, Well, I say I've tried one. I tried a bite once and that was enough. So um, I thoroughly enjoyed my weekend. It's, it's, it's a very new club to me. Um, I don't know much about the guys. I hear good things. And, and that was cemented this weekend. Um, they're such a great great bunch everyone you know um they made me feel very welcome and um we all got on very well we had a great get together with the team had some fun um and yeah i, I just i'm sort of excited to get going now i just wish this weather would clear up a little bit so we can actually get on track 
yeah, I think I think you speak for all of us when you say that. But um, yeah, hopefully we'll be in business pretty soon. I think you're going to love it at Redcar. You know, it's a friendly place. I think all the things that you, you had at um, at Pool also apply to Redcar, and and also a great racetrack to race on as well. I've never seen a bad meeting at Redcar. I've said that many times. Um, and I think that the way that the track usually is prepared there is going to suit you right down to the ground. There's always a lot of dirt on the outside, and that's exactly like where, where you like to put the put your back tyre. But maybe if there's anything, perhaps it's slightly too fair sometimes because everybody loves racing on it. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. Um, the track is fantastic, but you know when, when you've got a home track that everyone enjoys coming to, it makes, it makes things a lot harder, um, certainly for the home team. Um, you know, I've been at tracks before where home advantage is massive and, and a lot of riders are beat before they even the, the meeting even starts. Um, but that's obviously not the case at Redcar. It's a it's a great track. It's a great race track. It's fun to ride. It's fast. It's got everything you want really for a speedway track. So um, it's a tricky place to go to as an away rider. I don't think you're just going to turn up and do well. You know, I've been there as an away rider uh, a few times, and and the homeboys are quick. You know, so you need to make sure the setup's right from the off. Um, and obviously now me being a home rider, hopefully I'll get the get the setup dialed in pretty quick and. Uh, we can make it a bit of a fortress obviously that's the plan uh your other team of course in the premiership is the ipswich witches once again and um a bit of familiarity with the red car side there's there's a few riders between you that, that ride it in both in both leagues um so you know familiar surroundings there but looking ahead to this season in the premiership we've seen some big names coming back not least one of your teammates emil who has probably been the most talked about signing of of the of the winter um that's going to add a lot of uh, focus to to the witches, um, both generally across the country, across the world. In fact, I've had people get in touch with me wanting to, um, you know, have have interviews with with people at, at Ipswich off, off the back of you know Emil signing. So it seems to be a different place that we're coming from this year, and that with say Nicky Pedersen, with Dan Bewley coming back, the, the Premiership seems to be a a hotter prospect across the whole Speedway world, let alone Britain? Yeah, uh, you took the words out of my mouth there, really. And, um, I think the riders coming back to England is, is massive for, for, the, for obviously the sport in the country, but the sport in general. Um, you know, we've had world-class riders throughout the whole, well, forever, really, and it, and it sort of died off a bit um, of recent years. And um, to have these guys coming back and want to race here is, is just great, and it's only a, it's only a bonus. So um, it's good news for everyone. Um, and for me, obviously... It, you know, I love the look of the Ipswich team. Um, Doyley is a big part of that now. And um, riding with him last year, you know, that guy is just an inspiration. And, and what a great team man he is, you know, as well. He's, he's, he's very level-headed and uh, he wants to win. Um, and obviously that means that he'll do anything he can to help his teammates. And I enjoyed that last year and unfortunately didn't quite have the season I wanted. So I struggled to back him up. But um, this year, obviously, I, I'm feeling a lot more confident in equipment and I'm looking forward to, to starting that. And, and with the introduction of Emil as well, um, a guy who's, who's been sort of someone I've looked, looked at to and, and, and loved watching over the years. I don't know him overly well, but I'm looking forward to get to know him and, uh, you know, welcome, welcoming him to the team and hopefully get him settled in quick and, and we can hit the ground running. Yeah, and, and that's always be the question, but we saw on Monday that um, he certainly is looking like he's hitting the ground running and the first win on the board so far for for Ipswich away. But his signing, when you look at the other riders you've got in the side, Jason Doyle, Eric Riss, yourself, and now Emil Saifutinov as well. Obviously there are others, but you know just that, that signing 
adds just that extra little bit of uh, quality across the board, doesn't it? And 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 that backup for for Jason Doyle, another world class rider in the side, and you know that that surely is is going to be massive. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's exactly what's going to happen. Um, obviously, we still need to go on track and perform, but um, you know that's why I like the look of the team, the way it's built. We just have a little bit more strength at the top end. Um, and obviously, we've had to make a change at the bottom end, losing uh, Jack, and obviously wish him a speedy recovery. Um, but you know, that's that's speedway. You know, sometimes these things happen. But it's still, with with the way it's turned out, I still like the look of the team. Um, and again, very excited to get on track with these guys and, and get the ball rolling. And also the youth too, in particularly in the form of Joe Thompson, who I know that it's unfortunate with what's happened so far as um, Jack Thomas is concerned and best wishes to him. But for Joe Thompson, he gets this chance now and he's going to be lining up alongside Emil Saifutinov in, I think, his second ride um, each evening as, as far as it stands at the moment. And then you've got the match coming up at, at Leicester where he heads back to the track he's grown up on and he's going to be racing against his brother in heat number two. So there's a little bit of extra needle in that one as well. Yeah, that's uh, that's going to be fun for him. But it's um, I'm sure it's something he's not uh, unfamiliar with. He's he's raced his brother a lot and they're, they're good lads, they're good riders and um, obviously they're going to want to get one over on each other. But I think the fact that uh, one of our early meetings is at Leicester will, will be good for Joe. Hopefully it will settle his nerves a bit. It's a track he knows very well and a track he rides very well. So... Um, yeah, I, I mean, uh, hopefully, if if he can't come into a team with Doyle and uh, Emil and and not get excited and, and lift you to to do better, then then you're never going to do it. So um, I think it will work well for Joe. I think it will drag him along and and help him make that next step. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see how things pan out for everybody across the course of, of 2023. Um, of course, keep up to date with the the regular week-in, week-out reports on uh, on the other podcast, which is uh, No Breaks, No Fear, the official British Speedway podcast, which will have all the results and reaction for the, the matches as we go through the season. Um, right now, let's get into your career Danny because you've uh, represented a number of the the great sides of uh, of Speedway obviously a long time spent with Ipswich Witches but a career that's uh, dating back to well just after the millennium in fact um, I would say and how did Speedway come into your life though because obviously your brother was a rider wasn't he Jason and obviously therefore it's the natural connection there but how did Speedway come into the family if you like and where were the origins? So we go back to the grass track days. Um, we both started racing when we were six, doing the grass track scene. And um, obviously, you can't ride speedway until you're you're a little bit older. And back then, there wasn't these uh, youth championships and and stuff about. So um, we did the grass track. Um, but I used to love watching the speedway. Um, I remember sitting up on the Saturday night watching the Grand Prix, and um, I just wanted to be like Mark Laram. That's all I ever wanted to do. So. As soon as I was old enough, uh, I persuaded or asked my dad to let me have a go at Speedway, and he got me a bike. and And to be honest, that's that's the rest is history, really. I mean, my brother he loved grass track as well as Speedway. I was more of a just wanted to do the Speedway route. And as soon as I could, I, I stopped the grass and just uh, concentrated on Speedway. It was it was what I wanted to do, and it was where I see my future. So, um, yeah, basically, I come from the grass track scene and. Uh, just uh, worked worked hard as a youngster to try and uh, make it at Speedway. Grass strokes like a 
a classic way in and there's obviously a lot of motocrosses coming across now uh, or having a go at it over over the time but i think of certainly of an era like when you say you look back at like the likes of mark laram or gary havelock or jeremy doncaster or kelvin tatum these these names of say the 80s and early 90s you know that was the way to get into speedway wasn't it It it's all about the grass track first and then uh then discovering the luxury of speedway and it's not quite so bumpy <laughs> true, true. Um, yeah, it, it just seemed a natural progression. You know, it's the closest to speed where you're going to get in in motorsport. Um, as you say, there's a lot of motocrosses coming across now, and um, but still, you know, they, they they turn into great speedway riders. But it's very different to motocross, where the grass track, you know, it's uh, it's a similar aspect. It's just uh, slightly different bikes and on a smoother track, as you say. So, um, yeah, it's 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 sad, really. When I was growing up, the grass track scene was huge. Um, you know, there'll be hundreds and hundreds of riders in, in each class and it was just so busy, but it sort of dwindled out of it over the years, which is really sad to see. And it would be nice to see a bit more of a revival in, in the sport. It's, uh, it's a great sport and obviously put me in good stead for my career. When you started riding then, you, you, your early days, um, you were involved with, well, a few sides, I think, over the first few years, weren't you? Peterborough, Swindon, Arena Essex and, and Reading, all, Mildenhall. These are all sort of clubs that you would be found out in the in the early days weren't they yeah so um i was the, the first speedway started at iwade in kent it was close to home and um graham arnold there you know he's a fantastic guy and um he would always let us go out there and practice and and that's where the the speedway really started for me and my brother um and then i i did the little brother thing you know jay was older he got into a team first went to peterborough so i naturally went along and did the second half and and uh, and it's pretty much the same for Arena Essex and Swindon and everywhere else. You know, Jay was riding in them teams, and I just kept going along and doing the practice, and um, and that's how it sort of sort of come about, really, for them teams. It's certainly a, a handy way of doing it. Speedway, perhaps one of the big problems with it is that it is so hard to to get into. You know, you have to know somebody who is on the inside, uh, who knows how the bikes work, um, who knows what to do with the bike and, and all that kind of stuff. It's not like you can just go to the shop and buy a motocross bike like we've talked about before, but obviously your brother being involved, that was the perfect way in really for you, wasn't it? It is, yeah. It's um, it's a shame really because it's such a great sport and it's, it's like you just said, a motocross, you, you can go and buy a bike tomorrow and there's, there's hundreds of tracks around the country you can just turn up and ride on and Speedway, we don't have that luxury. Um, there's probably only two or three tracks in the country that you can actually practice on, let alone just turn up and ride. And um, yeah, it's it's a tricky one. Um, you do need a bit of help and a bit of guidance, and and it's not easy. So um, yeah, I think the best thing you can do is go to the practice days and uh, try and try and get in with someone who can give you a bit of guidance and and help you get noticed. There's a lot of work getting to this point, um, but you finally get your your big shot lining up in a competitive race for the first time coming down to the tapes and you know it's here it is you're a you're a speedway rider can you remember your your first heat and, and how it went yeah so it was 2001 um i was i would have turned 15 in the august so um i was doing the like i said my brother was in the pumas team um i'd go up every week and uh, practice after the meeting and um i was i was doing quite well there's a few of us that used to go do second half second half races and um yeah we was always racing and and when i turned 15 they gave me an opportunity a couple of us actually gave us the opportunity and put us in the team and i never looked back it was just it it was everything i'd ever dreamed of um i wanted to be a spear rider and and i've finally done it you know and um i loved every second of it it was it was a good learning experience um obviously uh 
very proud moment for me to be racing as well alongside my big brother. Um, I looked up to him a lot. And yeah, it's, it, it was enjoyable days. And obviously the following year, 2002, I, uh, I stayed with Peterborough and that was my first full season. And we, and we won the league that year as well, actually. Wow. So a bit of an early success, but um, Peterborough have long been a side that have stood by youngsters and helping them make their way in the sport. And particularly when you look back to the the Thundercats era as well with the likes of Simon Stead and Ollie Allen. And I know there were a number of others as well, but, you know, that was a a top young side, wasn't it? And Peter Oakes was was behind that. And, um, you know, that that delivered a lot of talent to the sport. Yeah, definitely. They've had some great riders through there. David Howe, I believe, is another one. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's fantastic that they, they were doing that back then and, and they kept the, the youth side going. Um, I think it's got a li- little bit more trickier these days, but um, you've had some good riders come out of, of Peter for sure. Ipswich then is a, a team that sort of has run through your career. You've had um, a few spells, but more often than not, I think throughout most of your career, you've you've been there, bar a few years, um, in some form or another. So w- when did the um, when did the Ipswich love affair begin how did, how did that um, come about because obviously you must enjoy riding there because well you've been there since what 2003 in some form or another yeah i um i generally feel i owe everything to it which for for my my career you know how it turned out they they gave me the opportunity and um and steered me in the right direction and basically it all started back in the british league cup i was um i think i was just guesting for reading a lot a bit for lakeside or arena essex at the time um, and they did a, an interleague thing called the British League Cup where um, they weakened the top league and they raced against a team in the middle league. And Ipswich put me in it. Um, and I did really well. I did very well for them. Um, and the following year, I was due to go to Reading, uh, my first full season in the Premier League, the Championship now. Um, and in, in the February, I got a phone call to say that um, something had happened in the team. They had to make team changes. And unfortunately, they couldn't fit me in. So I was just. Uh, just doing National League um, and I didn't have a team. And then I got a phone call from Ipswich and said that I impressed them the year before and they needed a three-point rider at reserve. Um, do you all want to come and do the Elite League? So obviously I said no. <laughs> I'm, I'm 16 years old. Why would I want to do that? Um, and uh, they they persuaded me and said, look, we'll look after you. Um, you know, it, just give it a go. If it don't work out, it's no, it's no hard feelings. We've got no pressure on you. Come along and... And that was the best decision I ever made in my life in, the, in terms of Speedway. At number six, young Daniel King dumps, as he is known. He'll be wanting to put on a good point here this evening. I, I, I don't know if I've told this story before, but I remember turning up on press day with my bikes and you had um, Chris Louie, Hans Anderson, uh, Scott Nichols, you know, all these top guys. And they just walked over to my bike and they were just unbolting bits and lobbing them across the pits. And that's no good. You can't use that. <laughs> How old's this? And... Uh, it was just a uh, straight out of a comedy scene. And, um, yeah, obviously they, they helped me out get the bikes where they need to be. And, and that year I made such big strides in the sport. It was unreal. And, and as I say, that, that really put me in good stead um, to, to push on in the rest of my career, you know. Daniel King still leads away. Scotty Nichols is doing a tremendous place. job in second place. Johnson, well, I don't think he's going to be able to get to these two riders now. It's going to be a fantastic 5-1 in heat number seven. It's a bring the house down as Daniel King, well, he takes the win. Scotty Nichols finishes second. Third place goes to Steve Johnson. And, well, that was quite tremendous team riding by Scotty Nichols. Daniel King, well, just listen to the applause for the pair of these riders. It was a gamble going in the Elite League at 16, but it was the best gamble I ever took. And, and for that reason is why my heart is so close to Ipswich and they've looked after me 
for years and all I ever want to do is, is win a title with it switch and I keep trying and I'm, I'm trying my hardest and I've still got as much desire now to do it for the club as I ever have and um, hopefully this year will be the year. And and that's you know an interesting point as well because I think sometimes and we've seen it we're seeing it now at the time of recording this you know riders who uh, are getting left out of sides inevitably they will get their chance somewhere in this season because we know how Speedway works you know, injuries will come along or changes will come along elsewhere things will move and it just shows doesn't it that actually you know fate sometimes maybe leads you to a certain place and and that's what happened with you really you know it didn't it didn't seem like it was the ideal situation but then out of nowhere things can change pretty quickly in this sport exactly that that's what that's what i said earlier about the pool situation it's, it's the business of speedway and, and things happen as you just said and um there's no point you know overthinking things just go with it enjoy the ride and um look i'm a simple simple rider a simple guy some might say um but I go out and I give 100% wherever I go. You can, you're never going to tell me I'm not trying. You know, even if I'm not scoring great, I'm giving 100%. And if I'm not scoring great, it's either an off day or I've got a bit of a problem with something. But um, I enjoy what I do and I give 100%. That's all I know how to do. Um, and that's what I just try and try and keep things very simple in, in Speedway. I don't overthink things. I go out there, I ride my bike and I try and win from a club and myself and... Uh, that's how I've sort of lived my career and I'll continue to do so. And you mentioned there, it's interesting about, you know, the help that the the more senior riders, you mentioned there like, you know, Scott Nichols, Hans Anderson, all probably what Grand Prix riders or about to be Grand Prix riders around that era, you know, hugely experienced um, figures and they're taking a look at your bike and they're, they're pulling things off it. And, and obviously that you realise then that there's a significant difference between that all bikes are maybe not equal. You know, there's a way of doing stuff to, to make you be able to race at that level. Yeah, I mean, certainly coming from um, the conference league, it's on National League now, um, going up to that level, you know, at that at the bottom level, there's no money in the sport. You know, it's costing you money. So you um, if something breaks, you try and fix it just to keep the bike running. Um, but obviously when you, uh, when you take that step up, that's not quite the case. <laughs> So um, yeah, and and it and it just goes to show you again, it's a team sport, and um, and that's what it's about, you know. That, that they could see that I uh, I was young and uh, didn't have much experience, and um, yeah, again, it was all of that that helped me make that next step. You know, they they taught me what I needed to to know, um, not just on track, off track, obviously, and preparing the bikes and how things need to be done and the standard they need to be at. And so as your career has gone through now, you are one of the more senior riders. You've you know got Joe Thompson coming into the into the side at Ipswich and he's sort of similar similar position as to where you were now. He's obviously maybe slightly more experienced, but you know, he's it's a new atmosphere for him, a new team, and so now you are one of those guys who's helping these these youngsters out. And I know that you are uh, hugely um influential in the pits. You you, you are you are team captain but you're a team captain for a reason and that's because you you have this knack of galvanizing people together i know adam roynan was talking about it that you know you you do keep the team together and on track and so what would you say are the the things that now that you've learned from them that you put into your own captaincy these days absolutely you hit the nail on the head there um you know i, I take everything from from what them boys at Ipswich did to me and and i make sure that i do the same to whatever team i'm in and i said something very similar on on press day at red car last week you know if anyone's got a problem then you need to let me know because i'll lend you an engine or i'll lend you a bike or I'll, I'll do whatever i can because if you know you're only as strong as your weakest link and if you're not willing to help everyone in your team and someone's struggling the team's going to struggle so um 
for me, that's a big thing, being a unit. Um, you know, it's important that everyone gets along and uh, everyone works together as a team. Um, and the other thing is, as well, is I like I like to try and keep people calm. I, I'm a bit of a joker. I like to, I, I just find it's the best way to relax people. You know, there's, I've been in situations before myself and I've seen it a lot in Speedway where, you know, let's just say we're going to a track a rider's not too keen on. They sit there all day thinking about it, thinking about it. And by the time they've got to the track, they've already, they've already talked themselves out of the meeting. You know, oh, I don't like this track. Last time I was here, I crashed twice, whatever it may be. Um, and that's no good. You know, you're in a wrong frame of mind from the off. So my attitude is let's have some fun and I try and keep it really light and uh, make people smile. And I think if, if you're making people smile and people are relaxed, that's, you're going to get the best out of them. And then obviously when it comes to our, our track walk, that's when it's game time and that's when we get serious and we look at the track and, and we, we work out what we're going to do for the meeting. Um, and it's put me in good stead so far in my career. I think it works. Um, a relaxed team and a happy team is a, is a winning team in my own. Yeah, I think, and, and that is evident, I think, certainly whenever I've seen you in the pits or any of any of your teams that you've been involved with, whether that's Ipswich or whether that's, um, you know, Pool recently, and I'm sure it'll be the same for Red Car, and you're full of captains in the Red Car team. I think that's another another bonus, isn't it? But I know that, and this is the kind of thing that maybe people don't realise, is that how much you do help people out, and you mentioned there about lending people engines or bits for bikes or whatever they need, and, and you know, I've had numerous... Um, you know, riders say, "Oh, you know, Danny lent me this, or Danny's lent me that, or Danny's helped me out." And you know, that's that's the kind of thing that probably goes a little bit under the radar. But you know, that's all part of, I guess, being a captain, but also being a, you know, a rider that um, youngsters look up to. Yeah, I, I, I like to think so. Um, you know, it doesn't bother me that it goes under the radar. In fact, I quite like it. You know, I I, I do it because I want to do it, not because I want people to know I've done it. And uh, for me, as I say, winning is 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 the goal you know that's why we're here we're here to win um we're not just here to make up the numbers or just to ride around so um i give everything to wherever i ride as i said to you earlier i give 100 percent, whether that be on the track in the pits um helping my teammates you know if i can do it i will and it's it's as simple as that because at the end of the day it's a it's a hard sport it's a dangerous sport we're not in it for a long time um and i want to have as much success as i can and that's what i say i'll, I'll always give you 100 percent Danny King, my guest on this episode of Humans of Speedway, and next we'll turn the focus on some of Danny's big achievements, not least becoming the British champion in 2016 and having the chance to ride at Cardiff in the British Grand Prix, and he won a race. I was there, it was an electric atmosphere, and to do it, he had to beat Greg Hancock and Bartosz Schmarschlik, so he certainly did it the hard way. Talking about that experience in the next part of Humans of Speedway. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome back to Humans of Speedway. I'm Ian Brannan. If you're looking for some further listening, well, there's loads of other previous episodes for you to check out. So have a scroll back through this feed and for other Speedway podcasts through the course of the season, the official British Speedway podcast, No Breaks, No Fear, is back and will be out every Wednesday for your weekly dose of what's happening across British Speedway with some top guests and exclusive interviews. The most recent episodes include a chat with Phil Morris, the newly appointed C. CEO of British Speedway's Premiership, and uh, we also spoke with Dan Jilks in the most recent episode at the time of recording this as well. So check those out. And on top of that, we've got the Tatum Talks podcast, uh, myself and Kelvin Tatum, and uh, basically having a look at uh, what's going on on the in the Premiership, but also in the Grand Prix as well. The Premiership preview is out now. That is available on all podcast apps and on YouTube as well. Search Tatum Talks for Kelvin Tatum's Premiership previews. And uh, there'll be a Grand Prix preview coming out throughout uh, some point in April as well, mid-April time with Kelvin. Well, we're about to hear from Kelvin in a few moments because we're talking about uh, some big achievements for Danny King, my guest on this episode of Humans of Speedway, because he rode in the British Grand Prix in 2016 and it was uh, it was quite explosive in parts. But Danny, you had that experience that that Tom Brennan and uh, Leon Flint had this last year where you were a track reserve in 2007. And for those who are not sure, 2007 was the year that Chris Harris won the British Grand Prix. So what an experience that must have been for uh, for a younger you to even just be in the pits there and, and watching everything that was going on. You do. Um, you know, to be a reserve at any, any Grand Prix is, is a huge achievement. Um, but to do it at Cardiff, we're very fortunate. And, um, uh, you know, you, it's easy to say, but you never, ever forget the noise in that stadium from down on the track. Um, you know, even just doing the parade, you know, it, the noise is immense. Um, and when you're there, if that if that doesn't lift you up, nothing will. Um, and I enjoyed every minute of it. I didn't get a ride, but um, yeah, it was it was just so fun to be there and experience it. And obviously, uh, I was very fortunate enough a few years later to actually be involved more in the meeting. Well, yeah, you you were the wild card in 2016, and that's because you won the British title. And we'll talk about that separately in, in a couple of moments. Well, on the subject of Grand Prix, let's talk about being a wild card at Cardiff because it is the thing that speedway riders dream of isn't it that that you come out in this massive stadium huge amount of noise you go out there and even race but for you you know you won a race as well and it was uh it wasn't um easy competition it was just Bartosz Schmarschlik and Greg Hancock involved I think in the uh in the heat and you did it and you know what a what an experience yeah um I, I went there with the uh the intention of just enjoying the meeting, but obviously just to mix it up and uh, just, just throw it about a bit, you know, nothing to lose. And I just, I don't know why, because I never do it, but I think I put too much pressure on myself. Um, and I started with two lasts. And uh, I remember Richie Hawkins at the time, you know, he's he's my good mate and he's helped me out a lot over the years. And he was with me and he just gave me a few choice words and said, 
you know, basically sort yourself out. You know, you're, this is the biggest stage ever. You know you can do it. Go and compete. And, um, yeah, so I relaxed after that, two last, and uh, I went out and had two seconds and then ended with a win and missed the semi by one point, I believe. So. Bartosz Marsnik off the inside here. Matty Zegar needs points here. He's on seven. Danny King goes off gate three and wide. I think he's uh, quitted himself pretty well after a tough start tonight. And Greg Hancock goes off the outside in yellow. It was unbelievable. And to, to, to win my last race at uh, Cardiff was just unreal. And it's something I'll never, ever forget, the, the noise in that stadium. Because it's so crazy when you've got the helmet on and, you, and you're, you're concentrating. You can't hear a thing. It's You know, you're just in the zone. Here we go, heat number 19. Smarslink's made a good gate there. Now can Zegar move the switch up the inside? What can Hancock do? He's at the back at the moment. Yeah. Danny King comes through into second. Danny King is going wide and he loves doing that. Danny King. Danny King comes through to the lead. What a ride from the British wildcard. That's what he's all about, Danny King. Oh. Battle with the man in red here, Bartosz Smarslink. This would be a moment that Danny King will remember for the rest of his life. Smarslink second, and Zegar has come through into third ahead of Greg Hancock. Well, it's a bit like buses, isn't it? Yeah, you have to wait all day to see one, and then suddenly two come along at the same time. But I may have given the commentators curse. King and Smarslink having a fabulous race out in front. Hancock's out the back, but Danny King, can he hang on? Smarslink coming on hard in second place. It wasn't until after I went over the finish line that the noise started to come in, and it was just so loud. And the crowd just, you know, they're so great to the home boys, and the reception I got was unreal. I will never ever forget that win at Cardiff, and uh, who knows? Hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll get to do it again one day. And from speaking to other riders who have been to Cardiff and had any form of success, whether that's winning a heat, winning the event, or or even just you know being a track reserve and having that experience of of, of riding against some top opposition in front of a, a big crowd at Cardiff, they all say the same thing that you know it is just everything you hope it would be and more and and that feeling and that excitement can never be taken away from you and it it fires you up to do it again because you want that you want that again that's what it's all about that's what you're fighting for week in week out year in year out through your career absolutely it's uh you just can't explain the feeling until it happens um and you you just don't know and it's it's a it's a mad rush it's it's just a crazy moment and it you know, you need to make the most of it. And as I say, I feel very fortunate I was able to get that win. I so desperately wanted to win that night. And, um, yeah, to get it. And in the last ride, it just all fell together nicely. And, uh, yeah, I learned a lot. You know, that's the other thing. You know, I started with them two last, but we learned from it. Um, and you'd like to think if you, you were there on a more regular basis, you you would continue to do that and continue to compete more and more. But um, it's very difficult to get into the Grand Prix, as we know. Um, so you just got to take it as they come. And, uh, yeah, if it ever happens again, I'll uh, I'll be ready. Absolutely, I know you will. And to get there, you won the British title, of course, um, at Bellevue. And it was uh, it was a night where the track was changing through the evening. I think it was quite wet, wasn't it, towards the end? And uh, it really sort of played into your favour. And, and you liked getting around those boards. And the final came and you blasted your way to victory. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
you know, the British final for me over the years has been tough. It was at Wolverhampton for a long time. And, you know, it's no secret I'm, I'm not the, the greatest lover of Wolverhampton. I, I do struggle on the, the smaller tracks, uh, not so much these days, but certainly did back then. Um, uh, and I managed to, to get uh, on the rostrum one year at Wolves. And, and I, I just remember thinking it was great. And then there was rumours of the, the Bellevue was coming and it all seemed to unfold and the, the stadium opened. And then we were told that year the British final was moving to Bellevue. And I was thinking, game on, you know, this is a bit of me now. Now I can really go and, and show what I'm about because it just, it's a track that suits my style. I like the big tracks, you know, it's, I like the dirt and, and uh, it all just fell into place nicely. You know, the meeting started well. Um, the rain started to come down. The dirt line was getting heavier, which everyone knows suits me because I thrive in the dirt. I love riding the dirt and it's, it's not an easy thing to do, but um, it just, the weather just got worse and worse and worse and the dirt line got deeper and deeper and deeper and, I just remember thinking to myself, once I got into the final, I'm hitting that dirt line and I'm not moving off it because I firmly believe that I'm probably one of the only ones who could stay in that dirt line for four laps. Um, and that's what I did. Um, I made a beeline for it in the first bend. The video is quite funny. Everyone else turns left in the first corner. It looks like I'm going right out of screen. But I knew I needed to hit the dirt line early, and I did, and um, stayed in it for four laps. Cook on the inside, King on gate two, Lambert on gate three, and Worrell off the outside. Restart of the final. Second time of asking. This time they're away, and this time Cook has to start over. King has come from the inside. King has got really wide. Loads of speed about Danny King. Cook has the advantage, but King, go your speed round. Again, an amazing achievement. You know, every lad dreams of being British champion when they start out in, in the sport. And uh, to be able to do it was great. Um, and obviously, I've had a, a couple of close ones since. I managed to get a second after my injury on my arm a few years later. And I obviously made the final this year, even though I wasn't 100%. Um, so, yeah, I still feel, you know, I've got the chance if I'm on form and things are going good. I still feel I can get another one. So, um, bring it on. Yeah, and of course, it will be back at Bellevue in, in 2023. So... You must have a few uh, aims looking down, you know, the, the course of this season ahead, and, and a, a British Championship uh, then firmly one of those. Yeah, always, always. Um, as I say, you know, to I, I don't think you have a, a lot of opportunity to to be British champion. You need to be on top of your game, and you need to be, um, you know, you need to, it needs all to fall in place on the night, obviously. But I still feel that I'm I'm there, and I can still compete at the highest level, and. You know, while I'm feeling like that, this is the time I need to be pushing for the British title again. So um, I'll be having another go this year. Um, and hopefully, uh, as I say, hopefully I can I can do it again. Um, some of the other things that you've you've been involved in, um, you obviously you, you've, you've ridden for a number of other clubs, but Coventry being uh, one that you spent some, some time at, and I suppose it was sort of towards the 
the you know the back end of of Coventry's existence, and unfortunately, you were you were around there as well. I mean, that is a a side that we we hope to see back at some point. But just a word for the for the Coventry fans there, because that work is still obviously ongoing to try and save Speedway at Brandon. And as we stand at the moment, the the stadium is still there, looking in a bit of a sorry state. But um, while it's still there, there's still hope. Absolutely, um, the guys behind the scenes there, you know, Jeff Davis and and. David wrote all the other people involved. Um, you know what what a job they're doing, and and it just goes to show what it means to to the people of of the sport and of the area. Um, I was very fortunate again, as I say, to ride for Coventry. It's another big club, and um, I've been fortunate to ride for a lot of big clubs in my career, and um, some people never get the opportunity to. So um, again, that's a, a a massive thing on my uh, on my resume that I can say I, I did, and I had some good years there. You know, I was British champion that year. Um, and yeah, you know, to to ride for these clubs and, and experience it is is amazing. And all I all I do is just wish that they can get the, get it back. As you say, the stadium's still there. Obviously, there's work to be done, but it's doable. Um, and I know these guys aren't going to give up, and they have my full support. There's a few sides, unfortunately, that you've ridden for that aren't there anymore. You know, um, Newcastle um, being one, Lakeside, you know, another. It is it is sad when when these tracks disappear isn't it i mean i know we've got new tracks coming back like um workington coming back in which i'm everybody seems uh, excited to ride even though it's just in the national league at this moment and everyone's a national league spot just for a day just to give it a bash um but um you know th- these are these are great names uh of speedway and particularly like newcastle you know they've been around for almost 100 years and then from the fold last season uh, you know a huge shame it is. It's, it's a very sad time um, at the moment with regard to clubs closing. You know, unfortunately, I think we're, we're getting more closed in recent years than, than opening. But, um, yeah, I mean, you have to take your hat off to the guys at Workington. Um, it looks fantastic and they haven't cut any corners and, and you can see what they're doing. You know, they're doing it properly and, and it's a massive boost for the sport. But as you say, it's uh, it's a bit sad around, you know, certainly my sort of area now. And, you know, the Rye House gone and Lakeside gone and Eastbourne currently gone. Um, you know, obviously Kent. I know they're running this year at Highway, but you know that the other track at um, Central Park gone, and there's just so many clubs that are, are seem to be closing, and and it's very very sad. You know, it was a thriving for Speedway in this area at one point, and um, you, you can only hope that you know that something will happen, and they'll find some some new land or whatever it may be, and uh, we can get some clubs back in the area because it, it's not good for Speedway, and it's it's surely missed. Absolutely, we'd love to see more back. Of, of course, we would, and know plenty of people are working on a number of things to try and uh, try and help with that. Um, let's just talk about some of your national appearances as well. You've represented your country, Great Britain, when you were uh, British champion. You were part of the Speedway World Cup squad as well in uh, in in 2016, which was uh, obviously a, a big event and. Um, and and Great Britain that year had its uh, best success for for a long time in that tournament as well. It was, yeah. Um, yeah, look, first medal for many, many years. Um, and again, you know, it was it was another great meeting for me. I, I started bad, a touch of tape in my first one, was very angry. But, um, you know, we, we kept calm and we, we scored it back. And um, I have to say that Ty was fantastic that night. You know, he, he scored a absolute hatful. Um, and it came down to the end and we had a chance of winning a medal. Um, and I remember I went out and won my last ride again there. And it was actually Heat 19, the same Heat as the one at Cardiff. So... Um, it was quite a funny, funny thing, really. But um, yeah, and then I think that meant because I won that, uh, Ty had to go out and not come last, and we got silver. And I think he did it. Obviously, did it. And um, yeah, you know, looking back, 2016 for me was a great year. It was, it was the um, British final. Um, 
Cardiff and a silver medal for Team GB. Uh, very proud of you. And looking at this year, 2023, the Speedway World Cup is back, of course, and that means um, perhaps some more opportunities for riders outside the obvious three, you know, the three Grand Prix riders um, who possibly, you know, pick themselves, you you would argue. But you don't know what's going to happen in Speedway. We don't know that they're going to be able to take part. You know, things could happen. We don't know. Um, And so for the other British riders, surely as well, it is something that's maybe in the back of your mind that with a good showing in the first half of the season and put yourself in the reckoning potentially for the the World Cup if, if, you know, the opportunity does come up. I suppose you've got to be in the, put yourself in the frame. Yeah, definitely. Um, You know, I think... uh... I think a lot of riders probably overthink it a bit too much. Um, for me, as I say, I keep things very simple. I try and do my talking on track. Um, and if I'm sat here now wanting to be in the, you know, a World Cup squad or a Team GB squad, I need to go and perform on track first. There's no point, you know, phoning up and hounding or, or whatever it is. Go on, go on track, do the business, you know, show the scores. Um, and then I believe that if, if, if that happens and you're riding well, you'll get, you'll get a call if, if needed. So um, that's the way I've always looked at it. And, um, and it's, I've been fortunate enough to, to be in Team GB for uh, quite a few times. So, um, as I say, it's it's early season, but my plan is, as always, to hit the ground running, uh, pile in the scores and uh, get noticed. Yeah, it's all, all there to be got. Watch this space. Danny King, my guest on this episode of Humans of Speedway. Well, in the final parts, we're going to have a look at Danny's dream Speedway meeting. Who'd make his all-time 1-7? to seven? What's the ideal track and the ideal stadium? And much more besides in the next part of Humans of Speedway. Welcome back to Humans of Speedway. Danny King, my guest, and um, a hugely experienced and respected rider with some great accolades to his name. British Championships, represented his country, captain of the Ipswich Witches, and of course representing the Red Car Bears in 2023. But how is he at being a promoter of a meeting? If he was designing his dream Speedway meeting with uh, no problems with the weather or rider availability or anything like that, or indeed any form of reality, then um, what would choose so we're asking dream track dream stadium dream one to seven referee change a rule who'd be your opposition that's the premise of it so let's crack on danny um and talk about your dream track so uh you're you're a racer you like getting your wheel in the dirt but which track would you choose as your as your favorite of all pretty easy one for me and it's uh it's bellevue all day long um i think it's probably one of the best tracks if not the best track in europe it's the thought that went into that track was just unreal and you have to take your hat off to everyone involved. It's, it's a pure racing track. Um, you know, a lot of tracks in this country, you miss the start, you might get third, you do well to get second. If you win it, it's, you've done very well. At Bellevue, if you miss the start, you can still quite easily win the race over four laps. The lines you can pull, the size of the track, the speed you can carry. Um, for me, it's just a perfect speedway track and it's, you know, you can make a gate at Bellevue and be nervous because you don't know where they can come from. It's hard to cover a big track, you know, and if you're not quite fast enough, it's it's difficult. Um, it, it's just great, and I love racing at Bellevue and obviously won my British title there, um, won a silver medal with Team GB there. Um, so for me, that's quite an easy answer. It, it's Bellevue. You've ridden on some of the big tracks in Europe, though, some that maybe people would single out as being uh, great tracks as well, you know, Roslav or Torren or any of those kind of places. What is it that sets Bellevue apart over those kind of tracks, would you say? Yeah, I, I just think he did his homework. They've gone to Europe and they've looked at the, the best tracks in Europe and that I think they've tried to take a bit of everything from that. Um, 
And I think what makes Bellevue also um, a bit special is the banking that's on the, on the place because, um, you know, a lot of tracks in Europe can be flat, which is, can be difficult. But when you've got banking on a track, it just creates so many more racing lines. Um, so I, I think it's just the mixture of everything that makes it so great for me. If there is a drawback to Bellevue, uh, and it is the thing that's probably standing in its way for, for hosting a Grand Prix or whatever, it is the fact that the capacity is not quite as vast as uh, certainly the, uh, the the owners of the Grand Prix would like. Uh, so if you're going to transport this track into somewhere that would, um, you know, get you 12,000 in and get you a Grand Prix where, or more, uh, where, would you, where would you put it? Again, that's another easy one for me, but I wouldn't want to change the size of the track, so we'd have to try and make the stadium a bit bigger, but... We'd have to drop it into Cardiff, wouldn't we? Jeez, that that would be the dream, wouldn't it? The Bellevue track in Cardiff, and then everybody, oh, no, oh, nobody would have a complaint, then, and and it'd have a roof on, so it wouldn't rain. Exactly, win win. <laughs> All right, cool stuff. So Bellevue track in Cardiff, everyone's a winner. Uh, okay, next one then. It's the big one. The uh, you're all time one to seven. You're building a dream team. Who are you picking? I mean, you can pick yourself. No, I'm not going to pick myself. Well, I'm not that silly. Um, uh, so, um, two riders uh, I've always looked up to, one since I was a kid and the other one since I got more involved with Speedway. But um, the first one, the name is, as I mentioned earlier, he's, he's my absolute hero and I managed to ride with him at Ipswich for a year as well. And uh, I actually rode with him because he was five, I was six. And, um, I, you know, I, it's still strange, you know, when you meet your heroes, I still get a bit a bit giddy around him now. But um, Mark Loran for me, he is the ultimate and i based my whole riding style and everything on that guy um lovely bloke um been fortunate enough to know him and uh yeah for me mark lauren's going to be the first one on the team sheet of course a world champion he won the world championship without winning a gp round is that uh, that's the thing isn't it but uh hey it doesn't matter how you get there it's about getting there exactly <laughs> exactly that so yeah mark's the first one and the other guy i mentioned there who i've always looked up to and he's still one of my all-time heroes um greg hancock uh, I just love the guy's attitude. I love the way he races. I love the way he carries himself. Um, yeah, yeah, again, he's uh, he's the next name on my on my list. Mark Loram and Greg Hancock, who of course you beat at Cardiff. Um, so that's your first two. It's a strong start. Who's next? Third one is going to be Michael Lee. Um, I met Michael when I was younger. Um, I moved out from home and uh, quite a way away when I was seventeen and. Um, I met Michael and he sort of took me under his wing a bit, really. Um, you know, he looked after my engines and, and just helped me out in everything in, in terms of speedway, you know, contracts and things like that. Because I was new to the game, I didn't know much and I relied on him a lot. And he was such a great guy for me. Um, you know, he's, he's a, a lovely bloke. I know he's got a, a great history in the sport. And, um, you know, if you want to read his book, that's a fun read. But um, all in all, he really pushed me on and, and helped me out in my career. Um, and obviously, what a fantastic talent he was when he rode as well. So, um, Michael's definitely on the list. Cool, Michael Lee then to the list. And uh, not many. I'm, I'm surprised that not many people have actually mentioned him in the past. But you know, he is a a British legend of his of his era as well, isn't he? And I think sort of I don't know why, but um, yeah, he doesn't get as mentioned as much as you'd uh, as, as you'd think. Um, okay, number four. Uh, number four, I'm going to go with Hans Anderson um, because when I first started that year at Ipswich, what we spoke about, Hans was a, the up-and-comer in the team. Um, he, was, he just got in the Grand Prix, I believe, um, and he really took me under his wing. He helped me out a lot, and, um, you know, he 
he even took me to a Grand Prix so I could go and experience it as a young 16-year-old. And, um, you know, it was just so cool to be in the pits. I've never done that before. You know, got an all-areas pass and was mingling with all these, like, superstars of the sport who I looked up to. Um, you know, and it was just nice of him to do that. And I, I won the uh, British Under-18 Championship at Wolverhampton that year as well. Um, and I'll never forget it now that Hans just turned up in the pits before the meeting and he actually got a train from Peterborough there because he couldn't get there just to be there and, and surprise me and support me in the meeting. So, um, yeah, I have a lot of respect for Hans. He did a lot for me in my early career. Um, so, again, he's on the list. Yeah, Hans Anderson has, has given a lot of uh, support and service to, to British Speedway over his career. And I know not just in the racing, like you say, he's been a, a hugely supportive uh, character to, to have around the teams. When I think of Hans Anderson, I just think of a massive Mercedes. I saw him uh, saw him driving this really posh car in Cardiff once when he was in the Grand Prix and looked like he was living the dream. Um, OK, so uh, next next rider in your team then, uh, Danny? Next, I'm going to go with my boss, Chris Louie. Yeah, I think, <laughs> good, um, good choice. Okay. You know, uh, I touched base on it earlier. You know, uh, Chris has, has been a massive part of my career. And, um, you know, he's not just my boss, he's also my friend. And um, he's always steered me in the right direction. You know, he's that guy I can go to if I need an answer on something, even if I don't want to hear what he's got to say, I need to hear it. And he's that guy I tell me straight. Um, and, you know, he's he's been a, another huge part of my career and still is to this day. So, and again, what a fantastic rider. I know he's. He had a nasty injury, which probably stopped his career a bit shorter. Um, I know he made his comeback, but, you know, he was really on form when it happened and um, a, a top, top rider and a top, top bloke. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we, we've got a, an episode with Chris Louie, one of the early ones on this, if you want to find out more about Chris's career. And... Uh... He's, he's well, he was part of the the legendary Ipswich 98 team as well. And, and how many times that, maybe you're going to mention that, I don't know, but the, the Ipswich 98 team was, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, he he was, um, I mean, that's when Scott Nichols just began. He, he what, a, what a year to sort of start. But um, maybe we'll, we'll talk about that in a moment if you're going to mention that. I'm not sure. But um, it was, uh, yeah, quite something to be part of. Okay, so Chris Louie is, is on the list um, and, well, got a couple left, I think. Yeah, two more. So, um, again, it's probably a lot of people say these last two, but um, the first one I'm going to go with is Tony Ricardson. Um, growing up, watching Speedway as a youngster, the guy was just dominating the sport. Um, and to, he, he always seemed like he was ahead of his, his time with everything, you know, his equipment and his motorhome. And, you know, you just you just look at it from an outsider's point of view and just think this guy's got it right. And, um, and what a phenomenal rider he was, six-time world champion. Um, you know, again, someone else I, you look up to as a youngster, um, obviously want to want want to aspire to be. So, um, yeah, he was he was uh, an easy choice for the list. Yeah, another uh, solid witch from the past as well. I mean, what a side they had back then, and uh, and now involved in in with the FIM and and the Grand Prix and and really focusing on that that youth element. Is it the GP4 where they're inventing that that new bike for uh, for youngsters to to come in on as well? He's heavily involved in that, isn't he? He is, yeah. It's um, it's good to get these guys back involved. I think it's great. You know, they've they've been there and done it. And uh, if you want to push the sport on, these I'm sure these are the people you need with you to to help guide you. And um, it's good to see Tony back involved. So Tony Ricardson makes a list. I think we've just got one space left. So who's taking your final spot in your dream team? That's right, and it's going to go to the guy who was um, another phenomenal rider, but was just unfortunately around the same era. Um, and that's Jason Crump. You know the the guy was unreal to be. I think he holds a stat, is it being in the top 
two or three for t- over 10 years. And um, it just, uh, unfortunately, it was around with Tony because I think he'd have had many more world titles. But the fact that he still went out and, and done it and uh, um, had that consistency for so long, um, you know, it, it's unreal. So, and, and obviously, I got to ride with Jason and, and got to know Jason a bit better last year as well, um, a year before with Ipswich. Um, and he's become a good guy and, and someone that I enjoy spending time with. And, and I've actually, you know, even though he's, he's been retired and he's, he's been out of sport a long time, I, you can learn so much of him. And I certainly have and, and certainly continue to do so. Well, that's a pretty strong side, you have to say. A few world champions in among there as well. And uh, what an awesome lineup that would be to see. Um, so, next question, uh, Danny, is who'd be refereeing your meeting? Who are you going to be entrusting on the buttons in the referee's box? Do you have a particular uh, particular person in mind? Um, the referee one's tricky for me. Um, you know, two, two come to mind. It's, it's hard to pick between the two, but... I'll say both. Um, Tony Steele, obviously. Um, I think Tony's been around a long time and he was the, the main man growing up, watching him on the telly do the Grand Prix and, and obviously got to know Tony over the years, you know, working along or working with him in the sport. Um, and another guy that comes to mind is the guy who's sort of doing the same thing, but a bit more now is Craig Aykroyd. Um, again, someone who I get on quite well with and it's nice to see doing the Grand Prix scene and, and that. So, it's a it's a mix up between them two really. It's hard to pick one. Two um two popular choices I think, and certainly Tony Steele um a, a riders certainly of a certain era have, have have all gone for him. And but uh, yeah, Craig Ackroyd of course is uh, one of the only well it's just uh, him and Christina I think uh, that uh, do the FIM meetings for the Grand Prix. And I can tell you that Craig Ackroyd was picked by Steve Worrell, and Craig Ackroyd is refereeing Steve's testimonial, I believe. So um, he could request who he wanted. So he's, he's actually... Good, good job you picked him there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But uh, uh, anyway, that's going to have to happen another date now, of course, anyway. But um, anyway, the next question for you is uh, sort of knocking on from the referee thing, really. If you're going to uh, introduce a rule, change a rule, t- tweak the way a meeting worked in some way for your, for your one-off dream meeting, what would be the first thing that you would change about Speedway from your point of view? The the thing that bugs me the most, um, and it's the most simple rule in the world of Speedway, and I'm sure you've had it many times on here, um, it would be the two-minute clock. Um, it's for a, for a rider, it is the easiest thing to understand in the world. If that clock hits zero and you are not at the tapes, you're out of the race. Um, I don't know why in England we don't enforce it enough. Um, you know, some tracks do have it, but we have this rule where if you're on the way to the start and it's at zero, you know, you're still in the race. And it just seems really silly to me. Um, I just think the world of Speedway understands the two-minute clock, and I think everyone should should run with it. Everyone should use it. And, and you know, it is what it is. If, if you're running late and, and you ain't got time to do your start, you ain't got time to do your start. Let's stick with it. Um, I think it would make things run more smoothly. Um, and I think you'll probably agree that, people who do use it and stick to it the meetings are better so um that's my my bug in speedway and that's what i would want to see at every track well i know that speaking to phil morris um on the british speedway podcast um just a couple of weeks back we talked about this very topic and um it's definitely definitely a possibility in the future um, how soon is to be decided, but um, I think I think you may well get your hope. Yeah, I, I think it's great that Phil's come involved. I, I have a lot of respect for Phil, and um, we, you know we're actually quite good friends. I, I rode uh, I rode alongside him um, 
uh, Reading years ago, and uh, I, he was my team manager at Birmingham for a year as well. So we've we've remained friends, and um, I think he does a great job for the Grand Prix, and I think he's going to do an even better job now. He's he's more involved, and um, yeah, hopefully the two minute clock will be one thing he does see for. Yeah, and, and some clubs actually do have the, the technology already installed. Poole had the, the two-minute clock. I know Glasgow have got one. Um, Bellevue, I assume, will have one because they've done FIM events. So um, there are clubs that are already doing it in some form or another, but it's just sort of applied differently, isn't it, here and there? Yeah, exactly that. Um, but even though we do have it, we still have this rule where, you know, if you're on the way to the start or whatever it is, it's... it's um, it doesn't really matter, but it just makes no sense. I think you either use it or you don't. Um, and unfortunately, you know, if, if you've had a crash and you need more time, that's down to the clerk of the course to tell the referee. If the referee's put the two minutes straight back on and there's a problem, that's what the clerk of the course is for, to, to cancel it. But if you're messing around, fiddling with your clutch and, and you know, you're, you're late for the tapes, that's, that's your fault and you should be out if it's at zero. Watch this space. You never know uh, what's going to happen, but um, it is certainly, I would say, a, probably a distinct possibility, um, I, I, w- I would think, uh, if not this season, but certainly you know, in, in the future. Uh, OK, so that's the, uh, that's the rule. Uh, it sounds a very fair one. And um, finally, an opposition for your dream one to seven. It's, it's a team of world beaters, but who would be a, your dream opposition? This would be an actual team that did exist at some point in, in history. Um, I, we, I laughed earlier, but yeah, I'm going to go with the Ipswich 98 team. Um, obviously, I don't remember it overly well, um, but I know a lot about it being at Ipswich for a long time and, and the riders that were in the team that year were just unreal um, and the records that the team had, the way they did it, um, and obviously it was the last time that Ipswich had any major honours. So um, it's hard to go against that sort of team. Um, how they got them boys in that team, I don't know, you know, Rickardson, Gollop, Nichols, Louis, unbelievable. Um, I know Scotty was probably only just starting out back then, but he was already a, a fantastic rider and, and obviously gave them the backup they needed if they needed it. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I'm pretty sure that's a popular answer, um, but yeah, it's got to be that team. Has Chris Louis told you about the, uh, what was inside the trophy when it was presented? Uh, yes, I have heard the story. Yeah, it was a fish, wasn't it, or something? <laughs> yeah, Shane Parker put a fish inside it. <laughs> oh, brilliant. I, I think maybe Speedway's perhaps lacking that level of banter these days. You know, Shane Parker, well, I think, obviously he, he rode for Kingsley and Ipswich, didn't he? So he was he was across uh, both sides of it. But him with, with hose pipes, fire extinguishers, you know, dead fish, um, you know, that, that was that was very much the, the winning formula that year. Yeah, I, I, I think the sport's just got a lot more professional over the years, which is a good thing, but I still think we need a, a bit of the old school in there uh, still involved because it's characters that, that make the sport as well. And, um, you know, we probably do lack a few characters like Shane and people like that these days. Yeah, although I think um, Chris Lewis is probably... Uh not not uh, too bothered about having any more dead fish in his office sat there festering for a few days but there we go <laughs> but you can hear that story on the on the Chris Louie episode go yeah. back he'll tell it it tells it tells it far better than i do um brilliant danny that's uh, that's superb and um yeah, I'm sure that would be a great meeting lots of people would turn up to see but uh, we don't have thomas golub at um 
at Foxall. But of course, we uh, we do have uh, Emil uh, Saifutnov to uh, to look forward to uh, alongside yourself and Jason Doyle and, and the rest of the guys as well with Ipswich. And you're going to be at uh, Red Car, the Echo Arena for uh, the Red Car Bears, uh, a very strong side. And I would always recommend anyone who's who's never been up to Red Car to watch some speedway if you're in the area. Definitely make it uh, a trip because as a speedway track goes, um, you know whether you're sporting a, a particular team or whether you're just a neutral, it always produces some good racing. So you're never going to be uh, far wrong going to watch a, a red car meeting, of course. And all the best for a, a good season, Danny. I hope it's a safe one and uh, interesting to see where, how things go. I think there's a bit of pressure on Pool to to try and get a treble, but um, you're uh, you're now with Red Car and they're desperate for some more silverware. So it's all there to be. Uh, it's all there to be got. Yeah, it sure is, Ian. Um, it's a long season, as I say, and. Uh... We'll, we'll take it one step at a time. We're not going to count our chickens or anything like that. Um, first plan is to get to them playoffs, and uh, that'll be the first goal. So, um, Looking forward to the season now. Thanks for having me on, mate, and uh, I'm sure we'll catch up soon. Thanks to Danny King, my guest on this episode of Humans of Speedway, and thanks to you for listening as well. Uh, there's plenty other episodes where these came from, the most recent one being Danny's former teammate and uh, the man who's taken over his role as captain at Pool in 2023, Steve Worrell, who was speaking about his um, testimonial meeting, which, of course, has been delayed until the summer, but that's uh, the most recent episode before this. We also spoke with Paul Bowen about the prospect of electric speedway have a listen to that and find out why it's not all doom and gloom and willows in the noise there's actually a, a, a bigger picture here which could certainly help Speedway for a long time to come. Listen to that episode to find out more. Also spoke with Justin Sedgman, Dave Rowe from Eurosports, Gary Flint and Leon Flint, the father and son duo, and, uh, well, the kings of Berwick, you have to say. Uh, Adam Roynan spoke with him, who's uh, going to be uh, lining up for the Pool Pirates this year as well. Stuart Robson, Neil Vatcher, the Great Britain Under-21 manager, Lewis Kerr, Tom Brennan, Jordan Jenkins, Adam Ellis. There's loads to go at. Have a listen at your leisure. Um, Largely, they're fairly timeless if you've not uh, listened to any of the previous episodes yet because talking about their careers up to that point and, of course, their their dream Speedway meetings as well. So there's plenty to keep you occupied, especially on those long journeys to uh, places where you may inevitably end up with a rain off. But uh, we'll try and keep you entertained on the way. Like and subscribe the podcast to make sure you don't miss any new episodes when they do arrive thanks for listening once again enjoy your speedway in the meantime and we'll catch you on the next episode of humans of speedway sports social podcast network